Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Fizz Five. It's been a couple of weeks, but the dynamic duo, I'm Ethan Frank, joined by Liam Griffin. LG, we're back together. Couldn't be happier to be talking some SU football and basketball with you. Yeah, Ethan, I feel like it's been a while since we hopped on the Fizz Five airwaves together because we had a little bit of a joint in our schedule. I was with our guy Cameron Azir. You were with Carter Bainbridge. But now Central New York and America's favorite duo is back together. What more could you ask for? And it's an exciting time in SU athletics, too. You know, people said that Joe Girard and Buddy Bayheim were the best duo to come through SU the last few years. I disagree. I'd say it's me and LG. But enough basketball. Let's talk about football to start things off with topic number one. Number one. So, Syracuse lost to Notre Dame last weekend. Garrett Trader was replaced at halftime by Carlos Del Rio Wilson. Liam, your thoughts? Well, my first instinct was we should have seen this coming during the Notre Dame game because I feel like when the announcement was made that it was going to be CDRW filling in in the second half for QB1, you sort of got a little bit of that sense of surprise, but then you really dive into the film and you see that, yeah, Garrett Schrader didn't have his first run until well into the first half. He did not have the same mobility that he has had all season long. I mean... For goodness sake, 5 of 14 passing, come on. And I know his receivers didn't exactly help much, but and I'm sure we'll get into that when we talk about the pit game coming up. But when you when I heard CDRW was coming in, it was almost like the worst fear realized. And that's not necessarily a knock on him, but it's a knock on how important Schrader has been to this team. Because without him, who knows where they would be right now? And it all came crashing down super quickly, Ethan, and frankly, I'm really sad. Yeah, we were both in the dome. We were both in the press box. We could see it with our own eyes. How did CDRW look to you? Did he look you know, like an adequate quarterback? He looked like a backup quarterback is what I will say. I think that personally, I think CDRW has slightly higher upside than Garrett Schrader because he's a lot more athletic and should be able to escape out of the pocket more frequently than Schrader does, which is saying something because that is a lot of what Schrader's game is built upon. That being said, he just didn't have the same chemistry with Gadsden, Devon Cooper, or insert other receiver that we've seen Schrader to have this season. So from what I saw, I don't really think that SU fans can be too disappointed with this performance. I mean, even though it was in garbage time, that throw to Demarcus Adams was a nice one. but. It's it's difficult to evaluate, especially considering the circumstances. Agreed. And Garrett Schrader, he ha- he just hasn't been healthy for the last month plus. Um, you see him when he's not playing, he's got a boot on, and he, it showed. I think it finally caught up to him. Maybe something happened in the Clemson game that made things worse, but it just caught up to him. And against a talented Notre Dame defense, there was just nowhere to go. Yeah, and Ethan, the thing about the whole Schrader injury thing that has the biggest cloud surrounding it is that it was kept very under wraps really up until this weekend. And last week in anticipation of the Notre Dame game, I was running around campus and I saw Schrader wearing, waiting for a bus in a walking boot 
at that point, I'm like, what, what's going on? Is there something going on that we don't know about? And now we finally know about it. And it is coming back to bite SU in the worst possible way. Because Notre Dame is not as good as we thought they were going to be. Neither is Pitt. But this is the gauntlet that everyone was talking about before the start of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. There, there, there is not much Syracuse can do about you know picking its schedule that's designed for them. But you know, having Clemson and Notre Dame back to back weeks was never going to be a, a good thing. And another good thing, unless you have something more to add on the QB situation, brings us perfectly to topic number two, Liam. Number two, Garrett Williams. He's he's done for the season. Tore his ACL. You're shaking your head, and uh, I don't know if it's anger, disappointment, sadness, but. Syracuse, I would say Syracuse's best defensive player is not playing for them again this season. And this might've been the last time he wore an orange uniform. I think anger, disappointment, and sadness is what me shaking my head perfectly encompasses because it goes without saying the impact that Garrett Williams has on the football team, really Ethan on and off the field, because you said it, I think he is SU's best defender bar none. He's got potential first round talent. Wouldn't he look great in a New England Patriots uniform? But that's a discussion for another time. Now, in terms of how SU's defense plays going forward, they're already beaten down to the doldrums. Stephon Thompson, already gone. Terry Lockett, already gone. Now Garrett Williams, the captain of this defensive unit, done. Now you got to have Deuce Chestnut step up. And Ethan, he did not look great guarding true WR1s last year. And he's kind of had Garrett Williams to shadow that a bit this year so deuce chestnut is the guy that is going to have to carry the load defensively if SU is going to have any sort of hope at success but flipping it back to williams man i'm just i'm just heartbroken for the guy he's been a staple of this defense for the past few years and it's sad to see yeah it's kind of felt like this whole season's been like okay syracuse's injuries are accumulating but they're at positions of depth and you've been able to replace people. This feels like the first injury that is, this is an irreplaceable person. And I think that is the sad thing because, you know, Stefan Thompson goes out and he's a very solid starter, but Stefan Thompson's not in the top, you know, five most important players on your defense. Um, Terry Lockett goes out. I would say Terry Lockett's not the, one of the five most important players on your defense. So it all just comes back to, irreplaceability and that's Garrett Williams. You are not going to find another Garrett Williams. Everyone has to chip in. Uh, listen to Dino Baber's press conference on Monday. He said, it's going to take a group effort to fill this role of Garrett Williams and Syracuse's past defense will probably suffer because of it. Yeah. Ethan. And when you talk about where Garrett Williams said, you said most five most important players on defense. How about five most important players on the team? If you look back to our Fizz stats, predictions of who the 10 most important players were going to be on this SU roster. Unless I'm mistaken, Garrett Williams was in the top five. And I'm trying to go through the archives right now to figure it out. And if you want, okay, Elmore at eight. Nonetheless, he was definitely up there. And as we get the exact number right here, right now, or maybe not, I'm losing. Regardless, Garrett Williams important to this roster cannot be underemphasized is the point I'm trying to make. And if you want to go revisit our 10 most important players prior to the season or check out all of our content, find us at theorangefizz.com. 
Yeah, he had to be in the top five. I would have voted him in the top five, um, but we could check that out a little bit later. Garrett Williams, that's a really tough loss. It puts a big onus on Deuce Chestnut. Jahad Carter's played very well at safety the past few weeks, so it's going to take a lot of guys. You think of all the safeties on the back end of this defense, Elijah Clark, Justin Barron, Jason Simmons, Jahad Carter, Rob Hanna, have all seen action in the past few weeks. Now you're going to have Isaiah Johnson come in as QB2 opposite Deuce Chestnut. Deuce really hasn't done much this season. He, he You haven't really heard much about him. He had a big freshman year, kind of slow. It's very similar to Garrett. Garrett had a big redshirt freshman season in 2020. Last year, he was a little bit under the radar because Deuce came out of nowhere. And then this year was back to Garrett being the guy. And Deuce has a little bit, I wouldn't call it a slump, but just, you know, an under the radar season. Now Deuce is going to be back in the spotlight again. And it will be interesting to see how he handles that. Absolutely, Ethan. And, you know, like you said, Deuce Chestnut hasn't really been the center of attention for this SU defense this year. Yeah, he had a pick six, but whoop de doo It was against the Wagner Seahawks. By the way, shout out. They finally broke their losing streak. Wasn't against the Orange, though. So Deuce Chestnut has really been kind of underwhelming this year from that perspective. And that's not going to fly anymore, especially a few weeks from now when I'm look- if you're looking at Wake Forest and that high-flying offense. They're in trouble if he does not step up. Garrett Williams was number four most important player. Gotcha. So nope, that top answers five. top five. Top five. I was right. All right. That's enough talk about you know the bad things. Let's get to the positives with topic number three. Number three. This weekend, the Orange have a chance to break their two-game losing streak when they go up against Pitt at three thirty. Uh, we will have live coverage of that game as well. Tweeted out at on our Twitter account at orange fizz. And then they likely post game fizz spaces recap. So Liam going to this pit game, how are you feeling? Not great. And a lot of it has to do with what we've talked about with the quarterback situation and Garrett Williams being hurt. But when you go are traveling to Acrisure stadium, as it's now called, which don't get me wrong. We're not used to that too. Formerly Heinz field. Syracuse is not one in Western Pennsylvania. Since 2001. That was the year you were born, Ethan. I was not born the last time Syracuse took down Pittsburgh on the road. Pat Narduzzi, ever since he's taken over as the head coach of the Panthers, 6-1 and one against the Orange. That's not going to slide if you're Dino Babers. So with that in mind, Pitt has dominated this matchup really since we were born, Ethan. And frankly, It's hard to not be discouraged by that. Yeah, I understand every year is a fresh slate, and this Pitt team is underwhelming, and I'll get into this in a moment. Their strengths do not suit the Orange's strengths. No. I am terrified of Israel Banikanda. And I'm going to make that very clear in my crystal ball prediction uh, when that comes out on Friday. We're taping this Thursday afternoon. We'll be out on Friday for you to listen to before Saturday's game. But I'm going to make that very clear. I think Abana Kanda is going to have a huge game. Syracuse's run defense has been absolute garbage the past two weeks. And Abana Kanda is the best running back they're going to face, unless you want to make the argument Will Shipley was better. I'm quite nervous about that. that and I'll put it at that. I think nervous is an understatement, Ethan. I'm absolutely terrified. Look, Abana Kanda racked up over 300 yards in a single game just a few weeks ago against Vatek. And if you need more, he had six touchdowns in that game, too. In six of Pitt's eight games, Izzy Abanaconda has over 100 yards. Syracuse gave up 246 yards 
to that three running back triumvirate Notre Dame features this past weekend. Ibanda Kanda is significantly better than all three of those guys, bar none. I know Estime was the main guy, but if you can't stop him, how in the heck are you going to stop Busy Ibanda You're probably not, is the answer. You are probably not going to stop them. Syracuse is in for a, I don't want to say a reckoning, but, you know, it'll be rowdy. It's a former Big East rival. It's, you know, it's a big game. Pitt has their back against the wall. Uh, this is a team that's also lost two games in a row. They're only one and three in ACC play. Pitt and also wh- Syracuse's most common opponent. Absolutely. One of my favorite sayings that I've learned is, you know, you can't fake desperation. And Pitt is the more desperate team right now, which is why I like them in this game. Yeah, I, I like them too, Ethan. And, you know, they Pitt got, frankly, embarrassed by North Carolina. And, you know, their season has been a mixed bag. You know, they play Tennessee, who many think is the best team in the nation, down to the wire, but somehow can't beat Georgia Tech at home. We really don't know what Panthers team we're going to see. But like you said, desperation is a fuel that cannot be matched. That is absolutely correct. All right, that's three topics on football. Let's switch over to basketball for topic number four. Number four. Men's basketball completed their second exhibition game last night. Or no, excuse me, Tuesday night. And got a win. Weren't trailing at halftime, so that's a win. I watched Jim Beheim's press conference today, you know, to get ready for this. And he had a lot of things to say. Uh, Basically. It was interesting. He hasn't committed to a defense yet. He said it's just going to be what's you know feeling good night tonight. So that'll be interesting whether Syracuse plays man to man or zone. But I was you know I would say the most impressed I've been with a half of these four halves was the second half of the first exhibition game. Really, the second half of the second half, the last ten minutes of the yep. first exhibition, when you know Payheim just found a lineup that worked really well. This game was good to start, but was just very sluggish the last. 25, 30 minutes. Absolutely, Ethan. I think the point about the defense is the one to look at here because if you had told me at this time last year that Jim Beheim would be considering a man defense, I wouldn't have believed you. Look, the 2-3 zone has been the staple of SU basketball, and it got torn to shreds last year. They did not have the athleticism to pull it off like they had been able to in years past, which is why I think it's interesting that they're considering a switch because – Now you have that athleticism. And granted, that makes man-to-man defense a more feasible option as well because you have the endurance and stability to keep up with the big dogs of the ACC. And I think, like you said, it could really fluctuate from game to game, week to week. And But there's a lot to get into with this basketball team, but it's going to be fascinating to see what defense they come out in, especially given if you watch the film of – Last year's games against Duke and Georgetown have been the two I focused in on. The two-three zone got torn to shreds. Yeah, they did. Uh, I think it's a good thing. Syracuse has a very easy non-conference schedule. No big-time games scheduled. The toughest game is going to be at Illinois in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, but that's a game you play every year against the Big Ten. You know, you're going to Barclays Center. There will be more Syracuse fans than anyone else you're playing there, unless maybe St. John's. but, you know, it's a Northeast thing. You're not going too far. You're not pushing yourselves. This is a team that just needs experience. Right. And you're going to get a lot of experience in the Dome against some, you know, easier teams, Lehigh, Colgate, Northeastern, 
you know, you play Bryant, you play Monmouth. So there are a lot of games that Syracuse should be able to win. You're not playing Villanova at the Garden this year. You don't have to go at Georgetown. You get to host Georgetown. So I'm encouraged by this non-conference schedule because I think it'll give, you know, these freshmen and these newcomers extra time to get acclimated to what they're playing in. Yeah, I've been a proponent that I want to see SU play marquee teams, but given the schedule they have right now, there is no excuse for them to go into ACC play with more than two losses maximum. Ethan, this non-conference schedule, in all honesty, it's kind of a joke, and that is encouraging, especially when you consider they haven't looked good in the exhibition games, Ethan. Their chemistry just appears out of sync. Joe Girard does not have the same connection with Judah Mintz that he had with Buddy Beheim. Now, I know JG3 and Buddy played together for three years, but the fact that you are going up against these mid-major, low-major schools gives them an opportunity to gel together, which, frankly, Ethan, they need desperately, given how they've looked. Absolutely. I agree with that. This team just needs time, um, and specifically Minton Gerard. It's a good thing Joe's playing the two. Judah yeah. had five turnovers the other night, and Jim Baham said it. You can't have five turnovers if you're the point guard. You just Absolutely can't. Um, so that'll be something to work on as well. But, you know, this is a team still ironing, ironing out the kinks, and I, I think that's the best way to put it as we head into Monday's season opener. I like that saying a lot, ironing out the kinks. you never heard that before? I don't think I have. Call, like, call, call me uncultured, but. Like, you know, like if you're ironing like a shirt, like a little, like the kinks. And... No, yeah, 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 I got you now. I got you now. All right. And any other, I, any other saying? What, what are some of your other favorite sayings, Liam? Some of my other favorite sayings, um, pride goes before the fall. I like that a lot. And where'd you come up with that one? I heard it watching Survivor. All right. The pride goes before the fall for Mr. Liam Griffin. And with that, let's move on to topic number five. Number five. So we talked about the season opener. We talked about the non-conference a little. How about a full season expectations and predictions? What are you seeing from this team, Liam? Okay, so we alluded the joke of the non-conference schedule they have. I think they lose to Illinois. Other than that, they may lose a game in Brooklyn, but Syracuse should enter the full-on conference slate with just two losses if we're being somewhat realistic and optimistic at the same time. Like, the non-conference schedule, come on. You have to steamroll through just about everyone. In terms of ACC play, I think a middle-of-the-pack finish is expected. Let's be real. Because, yeah, you got young guys. It's going to take them time to get acclimated to playing against the cream of the crop of college basketball. Duke's still really good. Carolina's still really good. I'm thinking a middle-of-the-pack finish. And to be honest, I, Ethan, I think this is a classic Syracuse basketball season where – they're floating around the bubble for the majority of the season. Then a few a few dominoes fall their way at the beginning of March. They win an ACC tournament game. They maybe escape with a second, if not play that second game, down to the wire. And I think we see this team in March Madness come March. Granted, I could be totally wrong, but the optimist in me thinks there's a legit chance this team goes dancing because it is more athletic, it is more well-balanced, and Jim Dehan does not is not coaching two of his sons. Fair. It's a fair point. I would be quite shocked either way if Syracuse didn't finish in the seven to ten range in the yep. ACC. Yep. If they were worse than tenth, that's not good because they were bad last year and still finished eighth or ninth. Ninth. I think it was ninth. They were ninth. 
though you know they were not good last year and still finished ninth. Um, if they're better than seventh, I'd be pretty shocked. You know, if they're a top six team in the ACC, because you look at the conference: UNC, Duke, Carolina, Miami. Um, I said UNC UVA, and Carolina. UVA. UVA, UVA, Duke, Carolina, Miami, all really strong teams that are coming to the conference. And then, you know, you got a new coach at Louisville. You got building up programs at, you know, places like Virginia Tech. Notre Dame, um, too. Notre Dame is really strong with, you know, Syracuse native J.J. Starling. That'll be fun to watch. There are just a lot of games that uh, – that'll be tough to win and will be competitive night in and night out. Um, it's a good thing for Syracuse. You don't have to go, you know, to Duke or to Carolina this year, but it'll be, it'll be tough. No doubt about that. I think tough is an understatement, but at the same time, I think we touched on it the last time we hit these airwaves together. It's tournament or bust bar none. Every it's year tough. is tournament. Every year is tournament or bust. I think this year in particular, Ethan, because you're coming off of, probably the most embarrassing season Jim Beheim has had in his tenure, right? So then what what are the consequences if you don't make the tournament, Liam? If you're not you're firing Jim Beheim. You're not going to you're not you're not going to fire Jim Beheim. I'll say that much. But so then what like what is the bust is what I'm trying to say. Draw the national and local ire perhaps at a level greater than we've ever seen because and I think we've seen it with how some football fans have re, how some SU fans have reacted to the Clemson loss. They are unforgiving. Yeah, unforgiving they are, and Syracuse will have to prove itself to all of its fans, and this will be a big season. It could be Bayheim's last season. Ethan, they also need to prove themselves to the media because Lenardi is not showing them any love in his bracketology projections. I think Lenardi is a clown. I I think I (laughs) don't pay attention to Joe Lenardi. He just wants his clicks. (laughs) There you have it, folks. Joe Lenardi, apparent clown. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. All right. All right. I'll take your word for it. I, I just doesn't do it for me. But uh, any departing thoughts before we sign out for Fizz 5, Liam, on Syracuse's season? Tournament or bust. We keep saying it. Tournament or bust. This year. All right. As Liam to- says tournament. Liam says tournament or bust. I'm just looking for growth. I'm excited to see Jim Beheim coach a team that doesn't have one of his sons on it and get back to, you know, the old Jim Beheim way of yelling at guys, giving them an earful on the sideline and really. Yeah, I, getting... saw, I saw clips of the CJ fair charge the other day. And I'm just like, okay, I don't think we're at that level. We haven't seen that from Jim Beheim in a while. Granted, I don't know if he's going to go that far, but no, we'd like to see, I think those days passion. are behind us. We'd like to see a little more passion out of him on the sidelines. I think those days are behind us, but you know, he's an old guy. He cut him some slack. He doesn't have the energy he used to You see the, Big Mannery purchased in Skinny Alice the other day. I did. Um, good for Jim. Congratulations. Absolutely. Um, all right. And with that, let's uh, close things up here on Phase 5. Thank you very much for listening. With Liam Griffin, I'm Ethan Frank. Follow all our coverage of Syracuse football and Syracuse men's basketball all season long on our Twitter, at Orange Fizz, or on our website, where we have daily articles posting at theorangefizz.com. All right. That'll do it for Liam. I'm Ethan signing off and saying good luck this weekend and go orange. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.